Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you. Lord, would you speak to us now? You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So here we are um, in this Eastertide season. It's not just a day, but a whole season of 50 days together as the church where we look back at the ministry and life of Jesus uh, after his resurrection. And there's this scene that comes to us this morning where we actually rewind to what's known as the upper room discourse in John 14. So that's the passage you just heard uh, read by Father David. We're going to be in that, that passage today as our primary reflection Um, it only takes a sentence or two. It only takes a sentence or two to make you feel scared. Jennifer and I were finishing up graduate school in North Carolina. We got a few North Carolinians with us this morning. Uh, They brought the cool weather with them, they said, so you can thank them after the service. We were finishing up graduate school. We had a new baby boy in our home, and we were preparing to sell our home. And you know how this goes Uh, something major breaks right at the time that it's time to sell the house. And it was the AC unit. And here was what the man said to me. "Uh, Sir, you've got some minor repair issues, but the main problem is there's mold all throughout your unit. Well, as a 25-year-old new dad, that that was scary. Or um, maybe you faced this before. No, I'm sorry, you didn't make the team. I'm sorry, you didn't, you didn't get in to the program. I'm sorry, but, but we're going to have to let you go. I don't even have to try very hard to think of all the one-line sentences that you as parents that are further ahead in the journey than me can think of that can strike fear in your hearts as a mother or as a father. It could be something major or it could be something goofy like a kid saying, Mom and Dad, I've decided not to go to college. I'm just going to travel for a few years. It only takes a sentence or two to make you feel scared. I have a dear friend of mine who just was told, uh, we're not sure if it's stage four or stage three, but it's bad. What's, What's your one sentence of fear right now? Like right now in your life? I guarantee you we, we all have one. It might, it might be different, but we all have a sentence or two that strikes fear in our hearts. It could be big things like the things I've just mentioned, but it could also be, if you're more like me, it could be little things that add up to an anxious life at times. You know you're afraid or you're scared when it's hard to sleep. Anybody else ever struggle to sleep well? Uh, when you're really, really afraid, you start just pushing your food around your plate. You can't even eat. Fear makes it hard to do things that are very normal in the human experience, like sleeping and eating. And so my question for you and for me this morning is, how do you find peace when you're afraid? Here's my question. How do we find peace when we are afraid? I want to tell you that I've grown very weary of the pious babble that masquerades in the church as truth on the subject of fear. There's a lot of pious babble that is spoken by Christians, by pastors, about the subject of fear. And it goes something like this, that if you just had faith, you wouldn't have fear. If you heard that, I think we we printed it on T-shirts and masks this last year. If it can fit on a T-shirt, it's probably not worth giving your life to. 
Or the little colloquialism, if you've ever heard this, this is a fascinating one. I hadn't heard it till recently. When fear knocked, faith answered the door and opened it up and no one was there. My message this morning is going to challenge both of these statements, this idea of faith over fear or, you know, knocking and nobody's there. The reason I'm going to challenge it is because it has never been the experience of people that I have journeyed alongside in the road of faith. It's not been their experience. It's not been my experience. And then when I read the scriptures, Old and New Testament, what I see are people, very human people who are a mixture of faith and fear all at the same time. Guys like Abraham and Moses, people like the disciples, uh, the, the community of men and women closest to Jesus were a mixture of both fear and faith all at the same time. One of my favorite passages on this that we don't have time to look at is the father in Mark 9. His little prayer summarizes the heart of what I'm after which he, when he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I have faith and I have fear all at the same time. Can you do anything with this? And the answer is absolutely yes, that's, that's enough. I think it should say something more like this. When fear knocked, faith opened the door and faced whatever was standing there with Jesus standing right next to me. So Jesus, knowing us, knowing us, knowing our frame, knowing our humanness, says to his disciples this morning, let your hearts not be troubled. In fact, he says, do not, do not be afraid. How do we find peace when we're afraid? Jesus tells us here in John 14. He's in this passage, um, this several chapters that's known as the Upper Room Discourse from John 13, very famous passage. It's the Last Supper. We've got great artwork on that. And, but this, is a, this conversation continues. And he goes on to train and to teach his disciples things that were very precious to him uh, just before his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. He's got some final words. And frankly, he says a bunch of things that they don't really understand in this moment. Like, I don't know about you, but when you read it over and over again, it's a little perplexing for Jesus to stand in the room of fearful disciples and to say, I am going away and I will come to you. What is he talking about? It encourages me sometimes to watch the like dialogue of the listeners, the disciples around Jesus, to know that they were, they were perplexed, and so they start to rattle off a few questions. He says, I'm going away, and this is causing anxiety for you. He even goes on to say, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's like a parent saying, I'm really doing this. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Sure it does. That's the way I feel sometimes when I read that. But Jesus knows they're afraid. He knows that they are lacking peace. And so his parting words are, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Jesus says, I do not give as the world gives. So this is something radically different than any other religion. It's radically different than any other technique or trick that you might use, however helpful it might be to manage your fear or anxiety. Jesus says, what I have to give to you is so different. And so my question, how do we find peace when we are afraid? Let me, let me use it as, as if it were a gift, because he says, I give it to you. It's a gift to be received. So how do you, how do you unwrap this gift? Um, we don't really play tricks on each other uh, at birthdays and Christmas, but I've seen some of you that you like, you like double duct tape several boxes. This gift is not like that. 
I don't want to overcomplicate the gift that Jesus is talking about of his peace, but I do want to tell you, it, it, it can be a little more difficult to, to open than you might imagine. I love what Chesterton once said about the Christian faith and ideal. He said, it's been, it has not been tried and found wanting, Chesterton writes. He said, it's been found difficult and left untried. The three practices I want to share in a word are this, surrender, presence, and mission. If they, remember, they should probably be three S's, surrender, slowing, and scent. Here's how you unwrap the gift of peace. The first one is surrender. The good news that Jesus is bringing to his disciples is not something that they have to go buy at Target. It's not something that you have to go out and purchase on your own. In fact, it's not even something that's external, like out there. This is the strange and divine thing that he promises here. It's him. It's It's a whom, not an it. A person. We don't go and buy this. We don't beg for it from the outside. When you look at this group of fearful, huddled disciples, how are they going to go from that fear and that anxiety to being sent out on mission? I want to tell you, it's not going to be because they finally get a new principle that's just like breakthrough. There's not going to be this moment where they finally understand some principle better than they did before. They don't have a precept problem. They don't have a principle shortage. They have a power shortage. And what Jesus says is the gift that he has to give is a person, his very self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he wants to give. Well, how do I I receive that? In a word, the best word I can come up with is, is surrender. This gift is unwrapped not by trying harder, but by surrendering to the person of God who's right in front of you. You have to actually come before the Father with open hands and place the life that is right in front of you into his hands. You have to surrender what's right in front of you. In talking with a few friends over the last few weeks about how to grow as a disciple of Jesus, we've been reminiscing about uh, people that have had a big influence on us. And uh, one of them named Dallas Willard was really the first person to say this so succinctly and clearly that it's the ordinary life right in front of you that God intends to build something with. So the trials, the temptations, the test that you and I are facing right now, those are the raw materials that God intends for you to surrender to him and invite his presence into your life. Now, I don't know about you, but here's how my approach to this has gone over my 30 years or so of trying to walk with the Lord. I often look at my raw materials and I go, man, this is a mess. I don't don't like these materials. I've spent like four and five year chunks of my life avoiding the raw materials that were right in front of me because I wanted somebody else's raw materials. I would look over there and say, well, we could build something with that. Look, look at David's materials. Let's go build something with that. Or, or what about that family? Or what about them? And, and, and what's right in front of me is I know, I know my fears. I know my anxieties. I know my hurts, my hangups, my wounds. And I look at the stuff in front of me and I go, I don't, my, my life is such a mess. I don't think you can do anything with this. No, no, no. 
your life that's right in front of you right now, the challenges that are right in front of you that you feel like are so deeply personal and unique to you, those are the raw materials that God intends to build something with for his kingdom. The secret is you inviting him into it with open hands, surrendering that ordinary life that's right in front of you into his hands. The joy of a relationship with God is that he is right here with us in these extraordinary challenges of life that we face. This means that there is, there is no challenge, there is no uncertainty, there is no transition that you can face that God's not right next to you. He's right there with you. Like there's nothing that you and I can ever experience in this life that God, the person, not an idea, not a, not a gimmick or trick to apply, but, but actually his presence. There's not, there's not an emergency room you could go to that he's not going to be with you. An office, a relationship, a hardship, a train. He is with you. But if you are white-knuckling this life as if it's up to you, as if you can control the outcome, if you just try harder or learn more or do better, you'll miss out on the gift. This gift comes, we unwrap it actually through surrendering. And so let me ask it one more time before we move on to the second practice. What are you currently facing that's, that's making you fearful? My invitation to you is that you would surrender that, that, that you would Open up your hands to the Lord and you would say, Lord, into your hands I commit this thing I'm afraid of to you. And I trust that you're here with me. Open that door to whatever it is you're afraid of and stand there with Jesus. He'll steady your feet. The first thing is surrender. The second thing, it's closely related, is presence. Yeah, so to, to unwrap the present, there's a gift. You've got to be present. Presence. He calls his disciples, and, and Mark actually tells us, we've looked at this over the years as a church, that they might be with him. Later on in the book of Acts, we heard today, actually, Paul and Barnabas' ministries. But in Acts 4, as the mission of the church is beginning to take shape, what they notice, they took note that these unschooled, ordinary men had what? Had been with Jesus. Withness. God with you, the promise of Emmanuel, that God is actually with you and me in this ordinary place and space that we find ourselves in. I want to tell you that this gift of his presence is easy to miss because of how hurried and how loud our world is. We're in such a hurry and our world is so loud that it crowds out the whisper of God's voice. I know many North Texans will use the summer months to slow down. This is a good thing. We don't just surrender. In order to surrender, you actually have to quiet yourself down. You have to quiet down. You have to eliminate hurry. Uh, we went on a little break and spring break this last spring break. We went to the same campsite we were at in 2020, and I built a fire. Can I show you my fire? I was proud of this fire. Um, I don't know if you can tell how magnificent this fire is. Uh, I don't know if there's any other, if this is a, like an uh, insecure man thing, but every day my goal in life at the campsite was to build the largest fire 
that would not cause injury to another human being or the camper. Um, uh, one of the things that the Lord is inviting me into is a season of paying attention to the space between the logs, the margin. If you are in such a hurry, if, if the noise is so loud, you have got to find a way to slow down and be present to the Lord. And I want to tell you, it comes, by, it comes in the margin. It comes in the white space. One of my favorite poems about this says, What makes a fire burn? It's the space between the logs. It's a breathing space. You see, even too much of a good thing, too many logs packed in too tight, can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. To unwrap this gift of God's presence right here with you, you've got to slow down, you've got to quiet down and be present to the God who is with you and who often speaks in the quiet spaces with a whisper. This little phrase I want to repeat over these last two years as we've been through such transition and change personally, as a family, but also just our whole world. This little threefold phrase is something that has been a gift to me that the Lord had to whisper to me. He had to whisper to me, Brian, I know what you need. I care about what you need, and I can provide what you need. I didn't hear that while I was racing from one appointment to the next. I had to slow down. God knows what you need, brother or sister. He cares about what you need, and he will provide it. Would you slow down and be present to him? Pay attention to the space between the logs and you'll build a magnificent fire. Now, for those of you who have struggled with severe anxiety or significant anxiety and fear, I want to pause and have a little aside and if it's helpful, great. If it's not, let it be an aside and, you know, throw it away. Um, some of you, when you hear this, surrender, slowing down to God's presence. Some of you hear these types of messages that are meant to, to speak to our fears and anxieties will actually allow some level of guilt to just pile on. That if you could just do better, you wouldn't struggle with it like you, you do or like you are. Over the years of my own life, in my own battles, and then especially with people who I know and love that are very dear to me, that have battled with anxiety and depression, what, what it does is it makes you want to think you're the only one. Um, Satan, Jesus says that Satan has requested Peter to sift you like wheat. I have been totally perplexed by this little phrase. Sift you, isolate you make you feel alone, make you feel like you're the only one, like you're the only one with these, this level of doubt and fear and struggle and anxiety. And, um, but Jesus says, Peter, I've prayed for you. And we know how that story goes. He eventually restores him to wholeness. But I want to tell you, if you're really struggling with fear and anxiety, I really want to encourage you as a fellow brother along the way, would you please ask for help? Would you please ask for help and would you please, please know that God knows you, he loves you, he cares about you, and, and would you let the whole person be in the care of God, meaning body, soul, spirit, mind, everything. 
It's amazing. One of the weakest moments of my adult life, I had such a hard time telling my doctor that I was struggling. I, I, I was, I, it's like I wasn't okay with being human. If you can relate to that, I just want to encourage you, seek help. Talk to a friend. Talk to somebody you trust and, and treat the whole person, every, every part of you. When Jesus says, my peace I give to you, yes, it's a gift to unwrap, and it comes deep within you, and it involves your whole person getting well. Your whole person. It's hard to exercise if you're anxious. It's hard to eat well if you're anxious. It's hard to take care of the whole person. Satan knows that. God knows that too. And he wants to take care of all of you. And so ask for help. The first thing is surrender. The second thing is slowing down and being present to the presence of God. And the third thing we're not going to look at in any detail today because it's coming over the next two weeks is just in a word, mission, sentness. I, it, it's a strange thing to draw, draw the connection, but I need to do it before I close to say that if this is all just about you getting cozy and comfortable, you're, you're going to miss it. Because what's going to happen in the life of these hurried, anxious, uh, fretful, restive disciples is they're not just going to discover that peace is for themselves, but they're actually going to be sent out on mission And there's some connection between you receiving this gift and then God using you to help others discover it. There's a deep connection. And those Christians that that journey a while, that land at a place where it's just about them and their suburban household being fat and happy, you're going to be an anxious mess. You're going to struggle with FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Like crazy because it's not just about you and me. It's not just about our comfort and our contentment in this world. You have a a God-given purpose. And I know if you're in a place of fear or anxiety or you feel tired or exhausted, don't hear me piling it on. Just let, let me tell you that this restful mission, this doable mission is connected to you unwrapping the gift of God's peace in your very own life. Surrender to him. Be present to him. And then over the next two weeks, we'll be talking about this, especially as we lead into Pentecost. Discover that you're sent by him. He actually, in this same conversation, says, as the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. And you know, they're scratching their heads, maybe like you and I do when we hear that. Well, well, not me, no, you. In fact, it's going to become so true of the early church that, did you hear what happened in Acts 14? They actually mistake Paul and Barnabas as being like divine creatures themselves. It's crazy. God is so present in us and through us as we go out on mission that occasionally the church has to clarify, where's this power coming from? There's not a power shortage in Acts 14 anymore. I tend to not be... um, a fan of being gimmicky or hokey, but I want to read a few passages of Scripture over you as we finish and close before we stand and proclaim our faith. Would you receive these words from the Lord throughout the Old and New Testament that are promises of His peace? And as you you hear these words from His word, would you unwrap this gift of the peace that Christ gives you? God has said, 
Have no fear of sudden disaster. There's no need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday's just around the corner. Proverbs 3 says, because God will be right there with you. He will keep you safe and sound. It might help you to close your eyes as you hear these words from the Lord and receive. God has said, the Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Psalm 121, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. How do we unwrap this gift of peace? If God is for us, who can be against us? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you surrender to him this morning? Father, you are a good father that knows how to give good and perfect gifts to your children. Lord, help us as the perfect father that you are to unwrap this gift of your presence. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.